Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel, one by one, spoiler-free, and in tandem with Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast which we are feuding with. I'm your co-host... I'm your co-host, Latoya Ferguson, a.k.a. the Cordelia Chase of the Bufferingverse, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. one half of the Gun Squad, a.k.a. Theodore K. Mullins. And I'm your co-host, Morgan Ludich, a.k.a. the Winifred Burkle of the Bufferingverse, a.k.a. also Bones, a.k.a. one half of the Gun Squad, a.k.a. Frank Scabopoulos. And this week, we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 8, Quickening. Quickening was written by Jeffrey Bell and is directed by Skip School Nick. It aired on the WB on November 12th, 2001. And this is the one where everyone's trying to figure out what Darla's supernaturally impossible pregnancy means before her possibly very dangerous baby is born. talk about this last week but we were talking about this before the recording which is that it's, it's so very clear watching now like of course this is a sweeps week story or sweeps uh, month story because yeah that's how they like start off november it's uh darla and the baby and this whole this is a like this is a good story it's not like these are bad episodes mm-hmm. but watching them back now it's like yeah these are for sweeps these are for ratings and you know what it worked actually yeah. So oh, the ratings they did, they did for, well. Yeah. Um, so in the previous episode, Offspring, they got um, 4.4 million, which is actually kind of standard for Angel mm. around that. Uh, this episode, 5.2 million. Wow. Okay, cool. Good it for worked. them. It worked. It um, worked. Morgan, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, I I felt good about it. It, it felt very much like a, a part one. Like, I, I feel bummed we can't just, like, roll right forward. It feels like an unfinished story but I think there's a lot of really good stuff in it and I am gonna shock no one here by saying I thought Julie Benz was really great in it she was I I agree with you yeah I adored her I still am um just not there with Holtz like I I just don't care about him and I he feels kind of like a straw man because he's not telling us anything new about Angel or Angelus. Like, we know Angelus was bad. We we know. Like, and and it sucks what he did to this guy. It's- yeah, I was gonna ask if you feel bad for him yet, what based on what Angelus and Darla did, and like they haven't even told like this like, this is not a spoiler, really. They haven't even told the full extent to what he did to uh, Holtz's family. Right. And and I feel like the common decency sympathy for him where I'm like, yeah, sucks, man. But I I truly just don't have any 
sense of him beyond like he's the one guy Angel like fucked with who's like tenacious enough to, you know, get him back in this way, particularly. And I don't I guess I like want more of an understanding of like what's inside him that makes him that way. Like what is there that feels like textured and real about him as a person like he feels very like generic old vampire hunter to me like I so and and, you know I also just know Angel's not that guy anymore and I know that he's doing everything in his power to try to atone and it's totally cool if that doesn't mean shit to Holtz because he killed his family I would likely feel the same exact way but I I'm watching the show that's called Angel so I need, as a viewer, I need just a little bit more to be able to enjoy and engage in his scenes. Yeah, I, I guess I, I feel sh- stronger about uh, Holtz than you. But I, like I've said it before, I don't even know if it was on this podcast or the, the, all the podcasts have like bled together for in my brain now. It's just soup. Um, I'm like a really, I'm a really big fan of Count of Monte Cristo, like the book and like the Jim Caviezel movie. And so I kind of love this story where it's like this good man who's coming for revenge and like he is basically destroying his, his soul pretty much to get this revenge that, that in this case, it's, it's kind of hollow because, uh, Angel has changed so greatly mm-hmm. and, you know, just, uh, seeing like the fact that, yeah, he you know he cares about humanity in a way, but at the same time, he has no problem just killing a bunch of people, like 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 it's nothing. And mm-hmm. he he literally makes a deal with the devil is what he does to, to get this vengeance. Yeah, and and you say Count of Monte Cristo, and I'm immediately leading forward and interested. But in my vague recollection of Count of Monte Cristo, you got a sense of the guy he was before, right? And a sense mm-hmm. of his like humanity and like the goodness in him that was like beaten away by all the awful things that happened to him and like all of his time in prison and all that stuff I have no sense of the moment before with Holtz and even if they give it to us in the future for me that'll feel like way too little too late I guess put the discussion in your Shanshu prophecies as we mm-hmm. discuss further because I think there's a part of the story that I don't love and it's because it um and it's not even necessarily Holtz, but there's part of the story coming forward where it's like you had the opportunity to do what you're saying, basically, like, give us more of their interior lives before this. And because of certain reasons, that's not possible. And also, like, the thing about the chronology of this so far is that most of what we've seen of Holtz is, like, him reacting to them killing his family. So we didn't get to, like, this is really our first time really seeing his family stuff mm-hmm. uh, at all. So, like, yeah, when we're introduced to him, like, he's coming after them uh, in France. That's, like, years after the, the fam- his family's been killed. Yeah. And, yeah, it's telling that story out of, like, out of chronology and out of sync, I think, does no favors to the character. And and I, I honestly, like, I don't, I don't like to, like, boo on performances, but I, I don't find the actor particularly engaging. And it, it, as a performance, is doing very little for me to the point where I'm like, what were you going for? Like, what, what, what is, I can't even put my finger on what is lost for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm like, is he supposed to be campier? Is he supposed to be more tragic? Is he supposed to be, like, I don't know, like, deeply charismatic? Is he, am I supposed to be afraid when he's on screen? Like, I, I really 
just don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I it, like he he very much is like a white dude in period clothes for me. Like I I have no like he's an actor in a costume. Like I really I mean, even I called him doing it as a character. They call him the pirate uh, with a sword, which I was like, Finn Michelson found dead yet again. <laughs> I wish it was Finn Michelson. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to go off on uh, Holtz, who I I sympathize with his mission in general. <laughs> if someone uh, killed my wife and daughter, I would uh, annihilate them. So. <laughs> Fair enough. And don't forget about the baby. We like the baby is part of it. Absolutely. Well, my wife and two uh, and two children. I would uh, again annihilate them. <laughs> Mortal combat. <laughs> Let us get into quickening. Let us quicken. <laughs> no. Previously on Angel, the Niazian scrolls, the Troquan, the ruination of mankind. Angel lies to Cordy about fucking Darla. Darla arrives pregnant because she fucked Angel. She chomps Cordy. Our baby has a soul. The Troclon is arriving now. Is Holt. Just tell me where he is. Okay, you're caught up. Woo. So we open with uh, horse galloping, as my subtitles tell me. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a, the first thing it said, horse galloping. I'm like, yes. Felt right at home. Uh, York, England, 1764. A very good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holtz and his people think they found Angelus and Darla, and uh, they're they're off to find them. And Angelus and Darla, they're at a house. Uh, this little girl named Sarah, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not allowed to let strangers in. But they're like, we know your father, which means we're not strangers, which is the oldest trick in the book. Also, they're like, we know your father likes you. Would strangers know that? And I'm like, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. Like... <laughs> It's kind of like not like an amazing guess. Like it works. Uh, their charm works yet again. Mm-hmm. Even though they're pretty creepy, but you know they're creepy, but they're so hot. It's hard to say no to them. You know the little girl's like, you guys are hot. Dang. So <laughs> she trusts pretty people, which I think we've all you know experienced problems having done that. Yeah, um, she learns like the rest of us, basically. Mm-hmm. Darla's like, remind me to give you a special treat. That's ominous. Yikes. And yeah, so Holtz and company seem to think that Angelus and Darla are trapped inside this house, which I, I want to know how they got that intel. Yeah. I was also, at first, like, uh, I was very fooled by the cross-cutting and was like, he knows it's his house. And he's like, burn it down. I don't care. And I'm like, Jesus, your family's in there. What a dick. Like, again, this is how poorly I think of this character that I was just like, ah, like, then you don't give a shit about your family. Like, why do you care he killed them? (laughs) Wow. I was like, I was wondering if it was going to work for you. And apparently it did. It 100% did. I was like, fuck this guy. Again, Jesus. just he and I are not simpatico, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> this is let's see how this goes. I know. Through, yeah, Jesus. But I mean, it gels with everything we've seen of him so far. He's very single-minded in his pursuit of this guy. Uh, but even though you know that he specifically <laughs> continues to go after them because they killed his family, yeah, you like, know this. You're a hypocrite. I, you're going to hate what I'm about to say, but I've been watching a lot of Real Housewives and people do hypocritical things and it's what? upsetting. People on reality TV do hypocritical things, Morgan? Because people in real life do hypocritical things. Cancel this podcast. 
so then the uh, the wife uh, wife of Holtz, Mrs. Holtz, you know, they 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 would say, um, she meets Angelus and Darla, and they're so creepy. And but she's no also one like, is- hey, like she is also charmed by their hotness too. She's like, hi, instead of what I would be if a stranger came into my house at night, being like, what the fuck, and you know, grabbing for my big baseball bat. I mean, this is also white privilege. They're they're hot white people, so it's like, okay, I guess we trust you. Fair. You know what that sounds like to me? What? White supremacy. Oh, no. Woven in not too subtly. Yeah. White supremacy. Angela says he has a message for her husband, and Dara's going to give it to Sarah. It's creepy, creepy, creepy. Tells this child to close her eyes. Creepy, and it's chomp o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then over at the completely wrong house, uh, the note says, how do you hope to save others when you cannot save your own? Which I was like, that seems like Angelus's cadence, which proves that Angelus can write. Mm-hmm. We have figured it out now. And he has lovely handwriting. Really beautiful script. <laughs> Like, I wondered earlier, like, is he using a calligraphy pen? Does he have that with him at all times? I was very impressed. I mean, didn't they all in the 1700s? Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. (laughs) As we all know, Morgan knows nothing about before she was born. No, I refuse to learn about the past. I live in the now. (laughs) So Holtz realized they're at his house. Poor poor guy. Yeah. Or fuck that guy if you're Morgan. (laughs) And then we hear that a, that a baby exists in this house, which is like, holy shit, that's really uh, dark. Darla calls it a horrible noise. She's not, so you know where that's going to go. Yeah, the, the things are not looking good for that baby. And Darla's very much like, are you going to take care of that or am I going to take care of that? Which is uh, worrisome to hear. Yes, I also, this is where I wrote in my notes uh, during this. I wonder if Morgan will think Holt has a reason to hate Angel now. <laughs> I wrote Holt. Well, here's here's the thing. My next note in my uh, Shanshu prophecy, Holt arrives. Sad face. I did feel bad for him here. Is that what it means? It could just mean that he has a sad face. I don't know. This is, this is about both him and me. We both have sad faces. Present day. And I do like the transition of uh, the sun rising, and that brings us into the present. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, it's cute. Nice. <laughs> a very pregnant Darla is sleeping. An angel comes to check on her and touch her belly, and she, like, wakes up and holds his hand, and it's actually really sweet. Uh, until she's like, are you going to do it, or am I talking about um, killing this baby once it's born? Yes, and an unfortunate callback uh, that is very upsetting given their history. Um, and yeah, Boreanaz is so good in this moment where he's like so tentative about like touching her while she's asleep. Because, you know, like they don't have that kind of relationship or intimacy. Uh, but he just, you know, wants to feel this baby because right away it's it's so great after the contrast of how shitty he was last week and how like you know, like suspicious he was of the baby, of Darla's motives, of everything, that now he is the kid's, you know, like number one defender. I, I think it's a really nice look. And I think it's it's nice to see him go through that journey. And it makes sense. Like it 
it's it would be hard to believe that something that could come from Darla and his union would be good because uh, genuinely when they're together, toxic things happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is back on track to how Angel was like for most of the season until last week's episode where we had to take him to task, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. hope but he's feeling pretty embarrassed after all the stuff we said about him. He he listens. He reflected. Uh, he feels just bad about it, mm-hmm. honestly. And then we get uh, some TV and a demon lair, which you know, where is the electricity? No one knows, but it's provocative. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> gets the people going. This is where Holtz learns about the moon landing, which I, we must take the detour. Um, our other podcast, The Empire Diaries, also features a character that was essentially put into forced hibernation throughout much of uh, the modern world. And she missed out on the moon landing and we have no knowledge of her finding out about it. Unlike Holtz, who at least is told, which I think is the right thing to do. You got to let people know we've landed on the moon. I forgot that he was informed about the moon landing. And then when it happens, I was so happy. (laughs) Let characters who have been in suspended animation learn about the moon landing please because if they hear about it out of context they're gonna behave weirdly like imagine not knowing about it and someone being like ah yes because we've been on the moon we have what (laughs) like look that blows your cover if you're trying to look like you are a normal modern day person and you don't know about the moon landing i think you're screwed This is how you blend, people. Know about the moon landing. Know that it exists. Know that we went to the moon in 1969, as even Stevens taught all of us. In fact, show them Influenza, the musical. Show them it, and they'll get everything right away. You don't even need to tell them anything else. We went to the moon in 1969. 1969. Not 1968, but the year after. And I, of course, am shaking my head side to side, like like the choreography in that musical number. Mm -hmm. This also reminded me of that scene in American Horror Story Coven, where Kathy Bates sees that Obama is president and she's like so racist and so upset. She is crying because she hates it so much. And she's like, lies. lies. (laughs) I've I've seen that gif a lot. Yes. (laughs) The How magic much? box lies. <laughs> lies. <laughs> but this is where, so we realize like Holtz has been gone for 227 years of human history, which is a long time. And I, I it makes me curious about like all um, of the books they have where, because obviously Holtz would be in all of these kind of these history books that they have. And the fact that he just disappears, that seems like something like, people should know maybe it's something that kind of just like makes sense because as the demon explained to him if he had stayed you know alive in his own timeline he would have just like withered away and became a bitter old man who never saw angel again so that Mm -hmm. just must be what everybody assumes happened how depressing um but yeah he's gotten updated and he's like i understand enough how is it no one has killed angelus or darla and it's actually funny because angel did kill darla (laughs) and angel did die um both just didn't take (laughs) i know i wanted to be like well actually (laughs) (laughs) they were both killed it it happened it just didn't stick stick 
Yeah, he, Holtz has not been given the full story, which again, for me, kind of like makes him very like straw manny, where I'm just like, he doesn't even know what's happened and what's going on. Like, I, which again makes it hard for me. Like, he feels like such a pawn in mm-hmm. like a bigger plan, which, which could be tragic, but since he doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a person to me, he doesn't feel tragic. I mean, yeah, he's clearly a pawn. Like, Sajan is clearly skipping some things mm-hmm. uh, and not even just the soul stuff, honestly. But he does tell him about the Beach Boys and asks him if he thinks he really gets them. <laughs> which I write in my notes, does Holtz get the Beach Boys? Probably not. <laughs> he needs to meet my dad. Uh, Morgan's dad. Uh, yeah, like, how has no one killed him? Obviously, people have killed them. Each, like, they've killed each other, basically. <laughs> he killed Darla, Bubby killed him. It's good. Then they fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Sajan doesn't bring up the fact that Angel is a force for good now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sajan says that Holt's fate and their fate is entwined because, you know, we got our Yazian scrolls and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Holt is like, he's ready to go. He's ready to go do some killing. But Sajan says, uh... Uh, they're gonna do this right because he's been he's been tracking Angel for two and a half centuries, mm-hmm. and even bipping and bopping through other uh, dimensions because he can do that. Yeah, and uh, Sajan is played by Jack Conley, who was in a previous uh, Buffyverse episode. Uh, do you know which one, Morgan? No, but I did recognize him and was like, I know this guy. What do I know? What was who was he? He is from uh, Buffy season two, episode Phases. He is Kane the Werewolf Hunter. He is Kane the werewolf hunter um why do um I I don't know why they would do that but I guess they can do that I guess it's just his fake face they've done that more than once like they do it it always always works actually so yeah I I I knew because I saw his face and I was annoyed I was just like and I was like why am I I'm like if I'm annoyed I must know this actor and then I was like I shouldn't look it up because Latoya will tell me (laughs) back at the hotel and I, I really just love everything about the hotel sets like everything yeah i just what a what an excellent set the colors are so rich like it's like it's very like gothic homey which is perfect for angel and i mean homey h-o-m-e-y like very like lived in and comfy and you kind didn't of mean h-o-m-i-e like gun I didn't mean that as in homie don't play that. I meant it as in a very homey place. <laughs> you guys, Morgan just said homie don't play that. Um, only a reference, my favorite Kimmy Schmidt line, which is say something like homie don't play that. First, establish yourself as homie. <laughs> and then. <laughs> I do need to know, have you ever seen an episode of In Living Color? I have not. <laughs> my my I'm white sorry. friend. <laughs> I was going to say, my white friend. I'm sorry, but I can. You, and you I would love to. to. You don't have to apologize <laughs> for being white. I just, because I'm not like watching an adulthood. I watched it mm-hmm. as a kid being a black person in America. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not surprised you weren't watching it. But I just, I needed to double check. I But I, I feel bad whenever like I have any gaps in my like television history, especially when they largely exist because of my like, race so i i just want to be a more i strive to be a more well-rounded human in all of these ways um and uh that's why i say that i'm sorry well i would suggest instead of in living color uh unless i like kind of cherry pick try to find a sketch that i feel like hasn't aged so terribly maybe martin or living single if you've not watched either of those shows Mm, okay 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 this has been race relations with latoya and morgan (laughs) 
Put up a hip hop beat, Kristen. <laughs> Um, I love this scene with Darla and Angel because it opens with both of them being like, remember how we fucked? Yeah. And he, then, he, yeah. You had a bad day. Uh, come on, Angel. <laughs> she does like, give him crap for being beige Angel. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And he just kind of like doesn't have an excuse. He's like, it kind of just like seemed like what I should do. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, great rationale there. <laughs> what a goof. Uh, he is. Uh, being silly and then the gang arrives and they're like we have research news Fred mm-hmm. is so with, cute gun with the crossbow oh, because he is on like protect everyone duty and yes Fred is great and um, this episode is like Skip School directing is very great for uh, close ups and then just like in like unfocused things happening in the background like Julie Ben's reaction <laughs> to Fred's thing in the like she's just in the background because they're focusing on, on Boreanaz is so funny and there's like a bunch of that throughout this episode so Fred's rambling but the, the gist is once again grammar comes into play with translations mm-hmm. and so- it's sweet that she's like gassing up Wesley given like the idea that we're still in the after effects of Billy and she's like hey just what publicly to announce that Wesley is good and I like him like I just think that's kind of her and also just like I think it also is genuine like I don't think it is a political thing that she's doing but it's really nice to see I think Mm -hmm. they've been very conscious of all of the Wes and Fred interactions since Billy and making sure that it shows you like these two characters are okay with each other like Wesley might be harboring still like guilt and bad feelings about what he did but there is still like affection and respect between these people like that has not gone away which is nice yeah yeah uh and so basically Troclon is not a person but it is a confluence of events so it's not just uh Angel Darla the baby but other horrible things we, we don't know about, uh, says uh, Cordy. And <laughs> Angel is so happy that it's not like his baby, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's there's still funny. a bunch of phrases he has to translate that have to do with a birth. Yeah. This and it's, damn it's, prophecy. <laughs> whew, it's a tricky one. <laughs> and I, I like that it's kind of like, well, the, the, ba- the baby's probably not bad, but it's not definitely good. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like the result. But Angel, again, like being optimistic and warm and wanting to protect this kid and his only chance at being a dad. Like it, it really that touches me so much. This is when Darla reveals that something's protecting the baby. So she can't get rid of it even if she tried and she has tried. And this is why she's talking about like killing it after the pregnancy, like after the birth, because you can't do it now. And oh, gun. Our glorious gun. He wants to shoot an arrow at her stomach to find out what happens. And I love that she's like, bring it the fuck on. (laughs) Again, Julie Ben's just lounging in the chair, just pointing to her stomach and being like, do what you will. Like, I just, I adore her. Of course, he's like, no, no doing that. (laughs) Please do not. And then they all start just talking about how they're going to kill this baby. Wesley says we wait for it to be born and we chop its head off. Is it Fred who says, what if it doesn't have a head? Yeah. And then later, Fred's like, maybe it has two heads. So all over the board here. They start bringing up flamethrowers. And Angel's like, no, there will be no throwing of flames. 
old man. Um, what a yeah. This is not the Vampire Diaries. We can't have a bunch of flamethrowers. Yes, Angel for what is the one who wants to think things through? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Come on, guys, who's with me?" And Darla tries to leave. He's like, "Anyone who's not with me can leave." And Darla's like, "Cool, bye." <laughs> and he's like, "Not." you again just like julie ben's killing it on all levels making me laugh so much and i love that cordelia is in but her one condition is she must punch darla in the face I have never related so hard. <laughs> I as a as a punchy gal myself. Um g- good good on you, Cordy. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh we should always also note that like obviously Angel's trying to rally the team, but it's it's Cordy's commitment that he wants the most after everything that happened last week where he he really fucked things up, but it seems like they're back on track now. Yeah, it's nice. It's good. It's it's things aren't like perfect, but she is on his side and like at his disposal for this mission. Like, she is willing to take his lead, especially now that he kind of seems to, like, have his head on straight, like, about the the possibility of what this kid could mean for him. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and now we go to another one of those scenes where I'm like, maybe this is the smartest scene ever, which is uh, <laughs> Lila doing a, like, signing a contract in blood, and she pricks her finger. She doesn't slice her goddamn palm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I loved I loved seeing that. I also just like loved the um like how habitual it felt. Like like how much it was not the first time she'd done it and and like the the very measured way and like all of the tools that she had to make that possible with like her blood inkwell and her fancy pen set. I loved it. Um that ruled. She is so hot and I love her. <laughs> Uh, and enter this mailbag douche, as I, as I called him in my notes, uh, Cyril. Uh, this actor's a psychotherapist in Silver Lake now, by the way. Oh, yo. Well, <laughs> now I know who to go to. Um, <laughs> but uh, what a creepy vibe this gentleman has. And he I mean, I love Lila. it, but like, also, stop. Look, do I agree that Lila's very cool? Yes, but I wouldn't go about it like that. Wouldn't go about telling her that like that. I I kind of do love how he just uh, hopped allegiances every uh, scene he was in. Yeah, like he was he like for lack of a better word, a real snake. Like really very very untrustworthy. Because I mean, I assume his allegiances were lay in that final place the whole time. He was yeah. just you know we were seeing him for the first time, you know, lying to everybody uh, to get his way, which, uh, good. Um, good <laughs> stuff. Uh, if, if you're gonna infiltrate Wolfram and Hart, I think you have to be a snake. Like, you have yeah. to be able to, uh, you know, have no allegiances but to yourself. <laughs> yeah, he gives her a CD-ROM that has video footage of her and Mark Angel uh, from Carpe Noctum on uh, Wesley's desk, which means that there is surveillance in the hotel, uh, which also means that's from the exterminators in that vision thing. So Yeah, which, like, guys uh, notice things like that. Gun sent them away. Why didn't they check after that? They're very busy. <laughs> They're very understaffed. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Gun and Fred, did you not tell the rest of them about these exterminators that came at night? I get the evening exterminator. So he's decided he, he's going to uh, choose his side in the different factions at Wolfram and Hart. So he chose her side against Gavin, who was responsible for this uh, little tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Gavin. But it's also I mean, just, like, so creepy that, like, the guys in the mail, the implications of the guys in the mail room, like, look at this, like, tape of them making out. Like, ugh, no thanks. Wolfram and Hart's a gross, seedy place. And I would say do better, but they're evil, so they're not gonna. <laughs> they're doing um, correctly for them. And also, I have, to, I have to give it to Gavin. Gavin was smart to put surveillance in Angel Investigations. Like, he was right. I can't believe it hadn't been done already to the point where I was just like, yeah, this is obvious. Why yeah. not? Why have? Why has no one done this before? I have to give Gavin his props for once. This was correct, actually. Yeah, for for his nefarious purposes, he he did good, kid. Look, smart plotting. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's having this them surveil everything, even like Angel and Cordy's training sessions in the basement, mm-hmm. and they're they're transcribing. She's female one, by the way, Cordelia. <laughs> Oh, she must be thrilled. <laughs> She's number one on the female call sheet. <laughs> that they haven't put, like, that is the thing where I'm like, okay, Gavin, how smart are you if you know to record this, but you are getting very little intelligence from this, it seems. Working quite hard and not smart in terms of, like, and, and you know, later Lila points this out where it's like you're understaffed, you aren't, like, doing anything with the information that is of value you don't even know who darla is like (laughs) they they do need each other actually because because gavin did a good thing but he doesn't really know how to implement it's uh, Mm -hmm. he'd be fucked like he wouldn't know anything about the darla stuff if not for lila Mm -hmm. it does speak to how wolfman hart sees everyone on the team who is not angel where cordelia is just female one (laughs) Yeah, when it's like she has an actual tie to the powers that be and gets visions and is in charge of essentially their mission, which again, like only Lila is smart enough to attack her, which she, you know, does in that vision thing. But uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird to think about Wolfram and Hart on like on the lower, the like on the macro versus the micro levels and the idea that like gavin can't see the forest through the trees in doing his evil um and it it is it is crazy that angel is just you know one person on a team of a few people that has to fight this entire organization like that's it's an intimidating enemy i i always love wolfram and Hart and getting more information on what's going on with them uh their inner workings fascinate me (laughs) yeah um but Gavin continues to suck that he says uh, no one cares about her and uh, the Mark Angel thing because from what he hears, uh, bumping uglies, it's an old man who body jumped into a vampire is the closest thing you've had to a meaningful relationship in years. Uh, Ho, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, like, bitch, who are you making out with? Probably no one. That's a lie. You're very attractive. They're both hot. It's like, how can you, like... They should They're, fuck. They really should. Like, I do feel that they should engage in some hate sex, but that is very, you know, obviously up to them. Um, and <laughs> if they if they would like to do that, I would just like to remind them each individually that that is an option. <laughs> if they, you know, haven't considered it, 
is like is Gavin saying that like he fucks all the time cuz like I would like to see that. Yeah, I'm interested in learning more, for sure. I I feel like I need to know more about Gavin Park. And to do so, I would need to see his sex life. Yes, I would actually like to know more about Gavin's personal life. Uh, I would like to know more about both Gavin and Lila's personal lives. I just... The idea of being like a mover and shaker in the business underworld of magical evil always just gets me man like it's it's a similar you know area in terms of like the cabin in the woods like of it all with um bradley whitford and richard jenkins characters it's clearly an area that joss whedon is interested in as a creator which you know womp womp to mention him but um i I am similarly interested in the banal business of evil (laughs) which is why we want more mailbag deuce cyril yeah, Cyril, C- Cyril's got the goss. Cyril knows about both of their sex lives. So Cyril, come on the pod. Tell us what's up. Cyril reads the papers. <laughs> he hates that that's his catchphrase. <laughs> so unidentified pregnant female. Because they, they they lost uh, the the feed for a little bit. This this is not uh, high tech, like the, the highest of tech uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost audio for a couple of days last week, so they pulled the tape, and Lila immediately realizes Darla, mm-hmm. and uh, Gavin's like, uh, vampires can't get pregnant? Yeah, d- we know. Yeah, that's why this is notable. <laughs> and then Lila calls Lynn Wood, uh, this is his first episode, and uh, says, we have a problem, because they do. <laughs> and in the background of this, again, you have Cyril, who's clearly pleased by what he's seeing. Um, not to bring up 30 Rock again, but Cyril really has the vibe of the Ikea employee in the 30 Rock episode where they go to Ikea, who's in the back, like going like, yes, fight. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not against it. <laughs> so Charlie's having contractions and they're irregular and they're timing. And she's feeling pain. And Angel's like, you like pain. She's like, this is different. <laughs> And Boreana's delivery of, uh, but you like pain. It's so funny. Uh, he also looks really good here. It just, he looks really good in season three, I gotta say. Yeah, it, it, this this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> uh, and Angel at this point is afraid that the baby's going to skitter because they've gotten into his brain. Skitter. The word skitter made me laugh so hard. I, I, I loved it. The idea that she's going to give birth to like a little crab. Uh, really gets me but I also love when they're like well how long does birth usually take and and Wesley's like I don't know like 18 hours and Darla's like what (laughs) childbirth is terrifying um if you have gone through childbirth I salute you you are so brave and strong and impressive to me uh but all I can think about Again, is the Leo Spichemin like, why is the baby covered in goo? And him yelling, because everything about this is disgusting. <laughs> like, uh, it, childbirth is terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's much power to you if you can go through it or if you want to go through it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be me. I, again, I salute you. Uh, but Darla, again, Darla very much is like, I never planned to go through this. Why is this happening to me? How dare life? And I agree. Like, God, I can't imagine. Like, truly, 
being nine months pregnant out of nowhere is the stuff of my stress dreams. So I, I felt for Darla uh, very much in this episode. <laughs> and, you know, Gunn says we should get a demony doctor in here. You know, someone who understands how our vampire girl parts work. To which Cordelia gives a, a what the fuck face. And he's like, you know what I'm saying? And you know, I, I was looking it up in the original shooting script. He, he says that came out wrong. But you know what I'm saying? Because he's talking specifically about like her internal organs because yeah. they don't function. Because she is a dead body. His general idea is very correct. It is truly a problem of using the wrong words. Like, it, it is, uh, like, I could not remember the sequence of events from this episode, you know, because again, you know, I, I obviously watched this episode before a long time ago. And so when I saw the doctor, I was like, oh, okay, so someone is going to, like, deliver the baby in, like, a traditional sense who understands, like, vampire anatomy and, like, what Darla would need to, like, successfully perform this birth um but that ends up not happening um I, but like i was like gun you are right just you shouldn't say it like that gun was right and then a demony doctor does show up mm-hmm. and who like would probably know more about this it's like uh in once more with feeling where giles says it could be a dancing demon and he's like no that's not it but you know what he was right <laughs> when these men are right we should say it because sometimes men are right we 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 can we'll, we're big enough that we can say that sometimes men are right is giles wrong that buffy needs to live on her own yes because she was dead she's not in a state of arrested development she's in a state of having been dead she is behind on things uh yeah we're gonna talk about that here too because again we are feuding with Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which means we will also take the takes that they're saying, and we'll say them again, but on this podcast, and they won't do the same because they're scared. <laughs> Morgan, you don't seem like you're as invested in this feud as I am. I, I'm searching for the specificity of my role in the feud. I'm still finding it. I want you to know that I am fully committed because as your partner, I'm always at your side no matter what, and I am... I think I have proved that I'm ready to punch anything you want me to, uh, but I'm always here to be fighty, but I'm, I am still very much finding my, my role in the battle to come. Thank you. I, I love will you, say, They all walk out of the room and just like leave Darla screaming in the other room to have this conversation. And I was livid about that. <laughs> As though like, like you she's assholes. gonna hear you anyway, as as we confirm later. Like she heard them. Yeah, Why she's a vampire sh- still. So rude. <laughs> I I do love it when they just like leave their room when someone's clearly. This happens all the time on the show. Someone's mm. in so much pain. Like let's just leave the room and have a conversation that they should probably have with this other person in the room. <laughs> It's one of those things, it's like very much a TV show thing where it's like, it'll be really annoying for this actor to have to go like, ow, ow, (laughs) ow, in the background of the scene. So we should just like have them leave them. But also like, if you're watching this and you believe all of these to be like kind people who care about each other, (laughs) it's pretty callous to watch them just be like, all right, I'm going to leave the screaming pregnant lady alone and come have a talk about her, you know, what we want to do with her body. (laughs) Um, you know, that less of a good look. Fred realizes they should just, uh, you know, they can't really get a real doctor. And again, Gunn was right about demon doctor, but whatever. Uh, so they just go to a real hospital and all they just need is the the right equipment. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get Linwood, Linwood Moreau. We got another LM name. 
mm-hmm. played by the great John Rubenstein, um, prolific actor uh, of screen and uh, the stage, originated the role of Pippin on Broadway. The titular Pippin. He's 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 the original uh, "Gotta Find My Corner of the Sky" singer. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was his Broadway debut. Then he has an incredibly impressive tenor range. If you know musical theater, you know you have heard "Corner in the Sky" belted so many times by people often incapable of hitting that final big note. So yeah. deeply impressive. <laughs> Yeah, that was in 72. And then in 1980, he like won every like award, like Tony's and all of them for uh, Children of a Lesser God on Broadway. Uh, yeah, he's kind of like, is this casting is kind of like Joel Grey in season five of Buffy, where it's just like, oh, we're, we're doing this. We're just having this legend here now. Yeah, this was great. I, I have, I again, not to harp on casting, but I a lot of the like Wolfram and Hart higher ups have left me kind of cold performance wise and this really felt like the first person with like a lot of authority but also the ability to deliver the jokes and like the asides and the kind of like again more like banality of evil style comments uh i was so stoked to see him yeah and john rubenstein is a father of actor michael weston uh which Michael Weston played the younger version of John Rubenstein in an episode of Supernatural. It was very oh. adorable. Uh, but yeah, Linwood is here and they're they're like keeping all this information about the Darla pregnancy away from the senior partners because it's not going to end up well if they know about this. And they're trying to figure out how they missed something this big, like why their psychics and everyone on their payroll didn't know this. Yeah, and it's, like, good on Darla for staying off the grid then. Because, I mean, obviously, like, clearly there's a reason that their psychics were, like, very, like, you know, like, unaware of this. But also, like, they could have caught them through normal means if Darla had been, you know, out and about. But actually, is it Darla or is it, like, Sajan, considering what he can do with dimensions? Yes, I think that too. But I also think, like, probably he could only, like, I I assume the fact that she left very little physical evidence of being anywhere also probably helped. But she chomped on that bus, like, very publicly. And you would think Wolfman Hart want to know about, like, when they see her about that. Bus chompings. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, whoever is in bus chompings is totally fucked. Like, (laughs) their performance review is going to be really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, uh, they, they're saying, you know, no way to foresee this, uh, to which our little friend, uh, Cyril, he's lurking, and then he calls his master to say, what you foresaw has come true. <laughs> the Nyasian scrolls again, they're a, a little fickle bitch, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Shanshu is clearly, it's like, everyone knows about Shanshu. Mm. The Nyasian scrolls, people don't really know, but, you know, it's uh, it's fun to try to figure it out. It's um, a little puzzle. A little puzzle. I, I wonder if it's going to cause any more issues this season. I imagine that it won't cause a single issue going forward. I think we're done with that. <laughs> that part's over now. Yeah, uh, that's in the past, Latoya. <laughs> We've moved on. Holtz is here. <laughs> um, this is where I wrote in my notes, uh, Cyril Creepin'. Uh, and I wrote some bullet points for his conversation. And my final bullet point was, this dude a little creep. Because he is. He is. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. 
If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. York, nine years later. So this is after France. This is after Rome. Um, he's Holt is basically like kind of defeated with not being able to... to to catch uh, Darla and Angelus. Yeah, this is six years after France and two years after Rome. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's sitting there. He's looking at the fire because they didn't have TV back then. They didn't. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> looking at the fire. The fire. <laughs> the fire, a.k.a. cowboy TV. <laughs> um, then our, our demon-y guy arrives, whose name uh, uh, is Sajan. Yeah, Sajan. Yeah, Sajan uh, is there, and he is... Uh, Pulse is not excited to see him. It's like, you're not a man. You know, well, yeah, I'm a demon, but clearly masculine. And I I actually kind of like this because, you know, with demon stuff, it's like masculine presenting. So this is what it is. And it's, it's the manpire thing actually over again. Because it's always mm-hmm. like, should we call him a man? Or but he's, he's not human. But yeah. So. He does, and he does not want to be misgendered, which fair enough, Sajan. Uh, and he's like, look, I like... You aren't going to – this is when he's like, you're not going to see Angel and Darla 
like again if you don't come with me like you'll you know wither and die alone and you'll never get your revenge unless <laughs> uh you come with me and i you know take you to the future and i i appreciate that he's like at first when he was like speaking very anachronistically i was in the scene i was really annoyed because i do find that to be kind of like the overly quippy stuff that i can that it can be kind of like a crutch for both Buffy and Angel, like dialogue wise, which mm -hmm. isn't always fun. But then I was like, oh, right. He like dimension hops and probably like time hops as well yeah. and therefore uh, would have modern vernacular. So then that didn't bother me anymore and was good. Uh, so props to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shake everyone's head. You get a prop? You get, you get a prop? prop? Sajan says, I want your word that when time comes, you will show them no mercy. And it's like, why does Sasha, you know, want them dead so much? Like, what's in it for him? Mm -hmm. Unclear. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have Angel, Wheel, and Darla in the hospital. Mm. Uh, the gang's found an uh, empty operating room in a teaching hospital. Is it really necessary to know that this is a teaching hospital? But I guess... I don't know. It is, but it, I, I guess it makes sense for why it's so big that it's kind of like more of like an operating theater, like that it's large enough to accommodate uh, all of our people and for like all the vampires to show up, I guess. Mm -hmm. It seems like probably one of those things that is a network note where they were fine just ha having it in a teaching hospital, but not saying it. And the network said, say that it's a teaching hospital. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we're all afraid of uh, Darla doing more chomping, but I did think that Wesley asking to touch her was another kind of residual of the Billy situation. Yeah, that is fair. And I, I just, but I, it also just like struck me as like it, fearful, but also like kind and respectful. And I was like, Wesley, you're good. I, I, I do. It, does Wesley like canonically have like doctor education like is he this like, is what i wanted to know about because yeah. it's, been, it's been a while since i've looked at these ultras like ultrasound pictures I'm like when were you looking at them but i guess maybe watch your school with like there are other demonic pregnancies not mm -hmm. vampire ones but we know of like mystical pregnancies that's a thing they would probably have to learn at watcher school like that or like Wes got a girl pregnant in high school jesus and he was going to do right by her. Yeah. I mean, I would believe it. I believe he'd be a gentleman about it. <laughs> I also believe that his father would make him cut off any, like, interaction with this young woman and it would be terrible. Yes. I believe he would have to do that in secret and then would have to just, like, completely separate himself and, like, provide for the child. But, uh, you know, never see them. You can always make Wesley's backstory more depressing, apparently. <laughs> and we found a way. Yeah. You can't stop me. I'm going to keep doing it. It's Braxton Hicks, it seems, is what what's happening. Uh, back at the lair, Holt is restless, uh, like the Buffy episode. Very much so. <laughs> and Sajan, we learn, is non-corporeal, which is why he can't do the work himself. Mm, very cool, very cool. <laughs> it is. Uh, and he says something about rules and timetables and forces at work. I love how he, like he's clearly got his own purposes, but he just says enough things, like, vaguely enough that it's like, uh, it'd be very complicated to actually explain what I'm doing, so just know it's this. How, like, again, I'm just like, Holtz, like, red flag after red flag. And I get that he's very single-minded in his quest for revenge, but that's no excuse for overlooking the evidence in front of you. Like, the, I, I still, I think he's, I think he's being very foolish here. <laughs> you, Morgan does not suffer fools. I do not. Look, if you're gonna, like, it, were it me, were I doing some revenging, I, you know, I'd try to do it clear-eyed. 
I don't want to get messed with. Well, that's not <laughs> how revenge works. <laughs> well, I think, I, I guess my anger usually gives me clarity. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think. See, that's what people on Mission of Vengeance think. But again, mm. if you're going on an act of revenge, you must, uh, of course, first dig two graves. No, not me. I do everything right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Emily Thorne. <laughs> yeah, I foresee no problems for me uh, in my quest for revenge. Our next scene is at Wolfram and Hart, and I am obsessed with it. Are you now or have you ever been a vampire? Get it? Uh, I loved just like the the pan across the conference room table, seeing all the various like supernatural creatures and people with like prophetic powers doing their thing was great. Like there's the polygraph going on. There's someone just like reading tarot cards. I um I, I loved it. I, I love seeing like just like a bunch of monsters. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Linwood kills that psychic, uh, which is a fun little bit of business. Based on the world in which they live, the psychic deserves it. Very <laughs> bad at their job. Did not do a good job. And I love that he's like, how didn't you foresee this? And he's like, well, we're going to be really chill and be nice to you. And the psychic goes, wait, no, you're not. And he's like, where was that insightfulness when we fucking needed it? <laughs> and then he is strangled with a plastic bag. Yeah. Um, Very brutal stuff. So Lila brings up uh, the Niazian scroll because now... Now Wolfram and Hart knows about it. The fact that Wolfram and Hart is the last to know about the Niazian scroll is very embarrassing. Embarrassing. Like, to the point where I was almost like, how is Wolfram and Hart this bad at everything right now? Like, I was um, I was disappointed in them as agents of uh, evil and chaos. I mean, <laughs> I the, fact, better. the fact that they're letting Gavin do things and he's not equipped for this shows. So, things have gone to shit once Lindsay left, honestly. They, yeah. they planned for Lindsay to take over and then they were fucked when he left. No plans beyond. Yeah, their their list was like, Lindsay takes over. And I don't know. We figure it out after that. It's like the whiteboard. Lindsay takes over. Angel turns evil. Question mark? Profit? <laughs> so Linwood brings up uh, all the factions you want the baby. And how they have to get the baby first. And uh, dissect it. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, Berlin, Berlin has heard about this, which means that Singapore and then Muncie... <laughs> Might hear about this. Uh, yeah, this is a Cleveland hell mouth situation we have going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got another office. <laughs> He's going to make Lila the scapegoat if they uh, get f- caught, basically, uh, how much they fucked up. And, uh, and Gavin Gavin's, loves it. Gavin loves it. But then she's like, um, <laughs> what? she does something supposed to be cool, but then she ends up fucking up more, too. I know. Well, Watch sticking this. Those else. She calls this a this magic assassin, and she gives him an order, and then he like does magic to get his, his sword, and he goes like, "Magic sword, cool." This dude was hunky. I was like, "Okay, Lila, like maybe there's some stuff about your social life that right? Gavin doesn't know." And I was <laughs> like, "Okay, get this little himbo to do your bidding. I love it." Yeah, she uh, definitely fucked this guy. Yeah, congrats, Lila. Go off, queen. Fuck the haters. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know you. Girl boss. <laughs> she is very hashtag girl boss. She is. Uh, she's, she's, my, she's my Cruella. <laughs> Women can do anything, even be horrible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see my notes. Wes, when, are, when were you studying ultrasounds? And then he realizes it's a human boy. And Wesley and Fred are both just like, aw, and then Angel. 
pr- proud papa. He is also Gun thinks it's a chud, um, which <laughs> I screamed at. Gun Angel Angel just keeps saying a son. Like I have a a son. Like oh, he just melts me. He's so ex- like again, just seeing him get something he never even knew he could have. Like it's lovely. I I will fight. I will stand between uh, this this baby and anyone. Like, because <laughs> I would like to keep seeing David Boreanaz smile. <laughs> he he really be smiling this season. Um, and that's just how it's gonna stay, right? Nothing bad will happen. Uh, yeah. Based on my knowledge of the Buffyverse, like when you're happy, you stay happy. There is no prank element on the horizon. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen. The Nicene Scrolls, we're done with that. Sashan, he's not doing anything shifty. Yeah, the next episode is getting the nursery ready. <laughs> and then it's just very like three men and a baby kind of like wackiness. I mean, this ep- this season really is just setting us up to be crushed because how many moments have just been tr- like so many happy moments actually in all the chaos? Yes. And it's just, like they really are setting up this like really warm family unit and I see what they're doing and I don't like it. I don't want to feel bad. You guys stop it right now. <laughs> what if we just like we stop the podcast right before Angel goes back to the hotel? <laughs> like, well, that's Angel the series. We had a great time, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure Darla gives birth and it's great. And they all are one big happy family and no one chops on anyone ever again. Nope. <laughs> and that's and... the show. And suck it, buffering. <laughs> yep. But... Fred uh, similarly has to do some uh, parade raining and like realizing where she's like, hey, Angel, yeah, exciting about the sun, but uh, we are surrounded by a bunch of vampires. (laughs) But luckily, they are uh, all chill and uh, they're like, this is the miracle child. We are excited and want to protect him. And and it's like, oh, okay, maybe everything's going to be fine. (laughs) Cut to black, Angel the series. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> end of episode everybody's happy <laughs> um yeah so sajan and his uh his uh human face is walking halt around la and this is where halt learns there are still families it just why would you think those don't exist anymore i think he just because remember the world was smaller back then he just thinks that the world probably like just burned down from vampires yeah yeah, yeah. but do you know what was not bad or confusing to me the demon gym. <laughs> was this, is this your 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 spot? You're like this is this is lit. I fucking wish I could work out at that gym. <laughs> I like the the freedom I would feel, the complete lack of self consciousness I could feel working out with all of those like tusky demons. I I am I'm sad. I I I miss because of quarantine i miss the gym like i miss boxing so much i'm like if i could just work out with a bunch of like grunty muscly demons and they wouldn't bother me and i wouldn't bother them that would be so tight like i loved all of them and their makeup and i loved like the guy in the corner on the wall on the machines the two guys boxing like it just it warmed my heart i know they're probably not good dudes but it seemed like a positive space. Well, I mean, the way Sajan describes them is just that they're himbos who know how to crush and destroy. And I'm like, yeah, I, I wish. Like, I would like to be like, I want to just, 
I just want to get really jacked and <laughs> be very strong and punch stuff. So I I want to roll with these guys. They are good Holt doesn't because, you know, they're demons. Back at the hospital, the vamps, they just want to protect the miracle child. And then enter the assassin screaming, die. <laughs> he is so immediately killed. <laughs> Embarrassing, honestly, for Lila. <laughs> like, Lila, uh, another L. No. <laughs> she can pretend he fought bravely. <laughs> he screams, die. It's, it's hilarious. Well, he wanted them to die. <laughs> Does he, like, do, like, a front flip into... <laughs> he, does. he does do a bunch of flips. Uh, Like, the such 2000s, like goofy blustery masculinity you know just like really at the peak of when there was suddenly like a bunch of flips and parkour in all action and it was just like so ornamental and not practical at all and it would just get really frustrating to see just guys doing a bunch of flips instead of fighting it's um, like so it i appreciated seeing this guy it's like down. how um chris tucker reacts to everything zhang ziyi does in rush hour 2 it is exactly that, yes. <laughs> I loved Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2 as a child. I still love the the bloopers at the end of Rush Hour 2 where the guy dies and Chris Tucker says, he ain't going to be in Rush Hour 3. Iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to a friend about that movie and watching it as a child and being like, action and comedy? <laughs> Who knew they could do both these things together at the same time? Amazing. But back to the episode. Uh, the vampires are like, look, your child is very protected by us. He's special to us. And Angel's like, cool. I they, love that. The, they are beaming with pride over their child being special. And it's really sweet. He's like, you hear that, Darla? Our kid's special. And he's like, and now we're going to kill all of these humans and give their blood to you, Darla. And Darla's like, sweet. So I am getting dinner. And please know in my notes that I drew the sunglasses emoji because that very much felt like Darla's energy in this scene. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So not great for the gang, but great for Darla. Um, <laughs> Everything's coming up, Darla. Meanwhile, Gavin's brought black ops into it. <laughs> And he's got he's got blueprints of angel investigations. Like he's he's at least uh, has some things of value to contribute to this. So I guess he, good job, Gavin. He see after that colossal failure on Lila's part, Gavin's up again. Basically, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, have you noticed that I'm not Lila and I am very good? <laughs> and then a new character arrives. <laughs> that I. Was just blown away by Dr. Fetvanovich, uh, an expert in paranormal obstetrics who's come from the Balkans. He is a dang ass freak and he has a big leather duster and he is grinning as he says he cannot wait to dissect this baby and its mother. Dissection all around. Um. He is bad creepy. He is the opposite of Cyril. Uh, don't want more of him. I was I was so delighted by his weirdness. Like, I just really 
enjoyed the the chaotic awfulness of him. Like he is very, very creepy and unsettling, but something about him, it was so it just really it did it felt so specific and I just appreciated the specificity of it. And I also just loved his leather duster. <laughs> With that in mind, I think now is the perfect time for fuck watch. <laughs> Who you got this week, Morgan? Uh, We spoke a little bit about this before, and I think I'm going to have to pick Darla. Um, What a queen. Um, It is my favorite thing in the world when uh, people or, or monsters who do not have feelings suddenly begin to experience them and really resent the dang things because uh, they are pesky, aren't they? And so her like crying a single tear in the back of the car and later just being like, I'm just mad that you all didn't get murdered. <laughs> I, I, I love you, Darla. Um, I will buy you. Uh, a big blood dinner because uh, you do probably don't like pasta. Um, and I love you, baby. <laughs> um, mine's the assassin because, again, what a hunk. Truly hunky. Um, but R.I.P. R.I.P. You don't along with him. I don't. But like literally as soon as like he was introduced, I'm like, this is a body. Yeah. Like, dang. <laughs> I'm just like, I, yeah, this is a straightforward, uh, just want to f- fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, body be banging. Uh, Godspeed. <laughs> Even after he magically brought his sword to his hand and then just started shadow sorting <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> I was like, still hot, honestly. Yeah, I was like, very goofy, but like, what's up? Call me. Yeah, great pick. <laughs> a sword guy. <laughs> Darla's gonna let him chomp until she learns that they also basically want to dissect her. They get her eyeballs. And like wear her entrails around their necks or something. Like, yikes. I feel like no one here knows vampire anatomy and no one seems to think that she'll be dusted at any point at all. Yeah, I'm I'm confused by people by their plans for process. I here. guess none of them plan to fuck with her heart, but like I guess you also you better not behead her accidentally. Yeah, like very Hannibal in terms of the like how much surgery can you perform on a person before their body just gives out. But I guess if they're a vampire, like as long as you don't chop off the head, you don't burn the body, you don't like put wood in the heart, should be able to do a fair amount of damage. <laughs> you can eat those eyeballs, I guess. Give me the eyeballs. Yeah. Pop pop. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now she's part of the team because she doesn't let not like that. And mm-hmm. she calls the vampires youngsters. God, I love her. I loved her so much because especially Angel's like, hey Darla, you wanna like help us out? And she's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Until they start talking about chomping those eyeballs. Yeah. Oh god. And then I love that Fred uh very politely asks if Charles has a dagger she could borrow. And he does. <laughs> they are so cute. 
And then she brings the dagger to Charlie's belly. It's always the quiet one, says Cordy. Yeah. But then, oh, Fred. Fred, 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 Fred. Fred does something, has everybody's attention, and everyone's like, oh, no, we're immediately at your mercy. And then she does a stage whisper to Darla and is like, don't worry. They don't know that the knife can't hurt the baby. (laughs) And Darla's like, well, now they do, Fred, because vampires have excellent hearing. And you know what? I think the reason she told Darla is because she's learned from that old gang of mine, like when she took the crossbow and then she turned it at Geo, like the, the plan's like, I'm going like, to, I should tell them when I'm going to do the plan. Mm-hmm. So she does it this time, but there are vampires who can all actually hear mm-hmm. what she is saying because there are vampires. Yes. And I think like Fred has been very like, conservative and traditional i feel like in the way that she has viewed darla's pregnancy like she she seemed to really pale at darla saying she you know wanted to get rid of the baby she's like why don't we just go to a hospital like she is very i think like very like specific and delicate sensibilities about this so i also do think she's like well i shouldn't give this pregnant woman a fright (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't be good at all (laughs) so i feel like it also stems from that which fred baby a little pat on the head i love you and then in my notes i have punchy kicky stabby and we're out yes cordelia even tosses someone training baby the training is working that made me very happy chirumption (laughs) moira Um, we, so we then go to, back to the Hyperion and we see the, uh, tactical guys. And the doctor. And the doctor who's still on his bullshit. Morgan's loving it. I wrote my, like, my notes literally have, Doc's whole thing is, I'm creepy. Truly just, again, a, a, a dang ass freak. Like, just <laughs> such a... A weirdo. Like, he's just coming in in his duster. He's like, we'll need a cage for the baby and the mama. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. Cool. Like, again, he just unapologetic, really, really committing to having the absolute weirdest vibe. See, here's the thing. Unlike Holt, he's not trying to have layers. He just has the one thing. Yeah. I'm like, I, I believe it. I have no questions. I'm just like, yeah, this guy's a weirdo. Well, now, okay, now I really, I realize who should play Holtz based on our past discussions. It's Chris Palaha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get him back. <laughs> no one will notice that he was already there. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Like, if you really want to do the parallels between uh, him and Angel, like, make him, like, the same age as Angel. Dunzo. <laughs> yeah. Um, we then go to the car. <laughs> Gang's on the move. Gang so on the cute. run. <laughs> They're all just, all of them riding together inside the convertible, like all of them squished in, is so adorable to me. I I love it. And everyone's okay. Um, they have evaded uh, any remem- remaining members of the vampire gang who are stalking them. And Darla is crying. Angel's like, Everyone's like, you crying? And she's like, shut up. And <laughs> never cried like, in my life. <laughs> never cried. And I don't know what a tear is. Um, and Angel's like, it's because you saw the baby. Like, you saw the kid. And you're, like, feeling something about it. And she goes, no, I'm just disappointed that the vampire cult didn't kill all of you. <laughs> uh-huh. Tarla, 
I love you. And so they're driving, but they don't actually know where to go. Because mm-hmm. going to Hyperion is bad because obviously people will be expecting them there. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Gun wants to go to Vegas again. And <laughs> again, they say no to Vegas. But you know what? Should have gone to Vegas. Could have been fun. Although you probably probably would have had to like pull over on the highway and give birth, which we're going to talk about giving birth in a car later because I don't care for it. <laughs> if I could pick, if I had to pick my arena for where I would do that activity, the backseat of a car on one blanket, no. So you're not a fan of the Citizen Cope song, Sun's Gonna Rise, where he talks about his his wife uh, giving birth in the back of the car. I have not heard it, but I th- it sounds like the subject matter does not jive with me. <laughs> but um, I like that this is when Wes is like, hey, well, actually, and Cordelia is like, I don't want to fucking hear, well, actually, out of you, which is relatable. But um, it seems to be more like, I don't want to hear, like, you know, good reasons why we can't do a plan that makes sense. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's like, well... All of these people seem to know a lot more about Darla's pregnancy than we do, which means we have to get to the scrolls, which are at the Hyperion. So we got to go back. And Angel's like, fine, a quick stop. Uh, so also, the they, energy's there. They still know more than Wolfman Hart apparently does. So mm. they're ahead of someone. Uh, but yeah, it's back at the hotel. Holt is taking out Black Ops, guys. Yeah, he gives them a bonk. <laughs> Doc's like, is this man with you? No, creepy Doc. <laughs> And then when watching the surveillance is like, who is this pirate with a sword? Yes. And again, it's Finn Michelson. Um, <laughs> the doctor has a bunch of tools and one of them just appears to be like a big scooper. I was like, are you going to scoop the baby out? I'm really surprised he wasn't your fuck watch, Morgan. I have no sexual feelings for him, I'm, but I am obsessed with him. So I understand how that is confusing. <laughs> So, yeah, Holtz is like, where's Angelus? And all of these people are like, mm. And then them are like, he used his old name. Ooh. Mm. And Berlin was like, fuck that. <laughs> Take him out. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the video and audio get spotty again, but they managed to hear a bunch of screams. And when Linwood, uh, like, is on the walkie and is like, okay, did you kill him? Is everything good? He gets no response. <laughs> No response. Uh, so yeah, Angel parks in an alley a couple blocks away from the hotel. Uh, he puts Cordy in charge uh, to drive uh, if he's not back in five minutes to just go. And then Darla's about to get emotional again. <laughs> but she shakes it off. Angel yeah. does some parkour. Oh, yeah. He, he does a little climb. It's cute. <laughs> yeah, he gets back to the, the hotel, sees all the carnage. A lot of blood. Yeah, not looking good. Uh, and then he sees that our that our creepy doctor has little chicken feet. <laughs> I again screamed. I was like, "Great, great! Of course, I that's that is good to me. That is what I want." I was very excited. Your new favorite character, and you just look one and done. I know. And then we're interrupted from the cool chicken feet reveal by, you know, the villain of this part of the season. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's like, and jealous. I've been looking for you. And Angel looks thrown through a loop. I wonder why. Not expecting to see this guy. <laughs> it's been 227 years. Of course he's not expecting to see him. Yeah, it's been a minute. 
Uh, speaking of minutes, uh, Cordy's about to go because it's been six and a half minutes. Mm-mm. Yeah, and uh, like, but Fred's like, can't we just wait like another minute? Like, what's the harm in waiting another minute? And of course, Darla begins to scream in pain because her water is broken. And then we decide that she is going to give birth in the back of the car on a blanket. And I am not on board. But where is Angel? What's keeping him? <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Credits, credits. So yeah, th- I mean, again, very much like a part one. Like you know, I I felt so eager to just keep going. How about we don't stop watching episodes? And everyone else can just uh, deal with it. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna leave you guys behind. We're just gonna put pl- uh, go forward. You know. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. I think people, if they don't like it, they can suck it. <laughs> So I guess uh, it's time for me to pick a WB episode that Angel should uh, watch to learn from. Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. (laughs) They got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the episode that he needs to see. Uh, I mean, this could have been used uh, last week, but this is, you know, it's really helpful for a, a vampire who is uh, impregnating another vampire, which, of course, is, you know, impossible, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is episode 13 of season one of the WB's The Mountain. Ooh. An episode called Great Expectations. It's also the final episode to ever air of The Mountain. Aww. Only 13 episodes, baby. Um, this is the episode where uh, Penn Badgley's character and Kaylee Defer's character have a pregnancy scare because, you know, teens not being protecting themselves have a pregnancy scare. And yes, Penn does do uh, a PSA at the end of the episode. Uh, I think it's teenpregnancy.org or .com. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of it. And it's like, Sure, you may be thinking, you know, I can't get pregnant. I'm an immortal vampire. But look, you can't just go around thinking you're not going to get pregnant or have a pregnancy scare. And Mm -hmm. we learned that from the the future Dan Humphrey and the future Ivy Dickens of Mm -hmm. Gossip Girl. So, yeah. You got to be, look, protect yourself. (laughs) No harm in being real careful. Protect yourself before you wreck yourself. Neck yourself before you wreck yourself because it's vampires. Um, mm. Angel, you should have used a condom. What's the harm? You know? Especially, I, you would would not have wanted a baby with Darla at that time. You know? It was a bad know. day. A bad day doesn't prevent you from wearing a condom, men. Gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> and that is the episode <laughs> that Angel should watch. Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. <laughs> they got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the episode that he needs to see. Wow, we did it. We really did. 
you can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Angel on Top Cast. You uh, are also very free to uh, come on our Patreon. Uh, our last post is probably our live watch of First Impressions. So if you didn't make it, you can uh, watch along with Latoya and I as we enjoy Gun and Cordelia's first ever mess around. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and Latoya, where can people find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter at LaFergs. From there, you can find my writing and whatever else I'm doing on, on the tweet box. Uh, <laughs> of course, you can find uh, the podcast I do with Morgan and our friend named Jill called The Empire Diaries. Wherever you get your pods. You get all these pods wherever you get them. Mm-hmm. Go get them. Go get them. Um, we also, also, Empire Diaries has a new Patreon, which you are very welcome to subscribe, which has a f- bunch of fun exclusive content. Uh, we're covering Legacies right now as it airs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and any other social media you're interested in following me at, at Lorgan Mudich. Um, I'm being silly there. <laughs> and that is it for me. Until next time, keep the creepy doctors in your hearts and minds. Please do. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.